0: Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to Friday Fire. T-F-I Friday, as we say around here. Damn, and it has been a long week, so it's Friday march 26 how was your week guys this is friday fire number eight and uh, for those of you that are just now discovering small business Surgeon, friday fire is where i go off on a little rant or two for a good 10 minutes or so and uh, just help round out yours week to give you something to get you through the weekend but before we get started first off if you guys are not in the facebook group yet guys what the fuck man why are you here what's going on Go over to the Small Business Surgeon on Facebook. Don't forget, like the page. And then you can jump into the... discussion group. It's called business talk with business pros. You can go find that group and uh, just uh, ride along with us as we go through life and we go through business over there. So uh, business talk with business pros on Facebook jump on in that group. Anyway, before we get started on Friday, five, we're going to do our quick, quick merch giveaway. Every week we give away merch to somebody that is kind enough to leave us a review. So if you want to get your hold on, uh, sorry, if you want to get your hands on some small business surgeon and some Texas Media Foundry merchandise, uh, do us a favor, jump on over to iTunes And Click the uh, subscribe button and then leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show and uh, we'll put you in a drawing and those names go back in every single week. If you don't win, you get pulled in for uh, next week's drawing. So uh, that's how we get reviews. That's how we help people to uh, find the show, help people to discover the show, become fans and uh, they can uh, join us as well. So uh, this week's winner, um, Aggie Boomer has left us a five star review. He says, great connection with guests and relatable content great information so uh, Aggie Boomer thank you for the review do me a favor jump on into the uh, Small Business Surgeon Facebook page send us a DM with your details and we will get that out to you the uh, the Small Business Surgeon swag and the Texas Media Foundry swag so uh, thanks again for that review and guys you know if you want to get entered into that drawing uh, do jump on there on iTunes and uh, leave a review like I said it helps other people find the show all right it's time for Friday Fire well, so how was your week, man? I hope it was a good week. We had a busy week and a long week. I'm actually recording this on the Thursday, which is the day before, which is quite naughty of me. Um, I normally try to get these knocked out earlier in the week. But today I want to uh, I want to I want to talk about money. Um, you know, oftentimes you know, we talk about business and motivation and mindset and all that good stuff. But uh, today I wanna talk about money and um, what to do when you actually get money because uh, I'm not gonna stand here and preach at you. Um, I am quite, quite uh, guilty of making a lot of these mistakes myself. And um, I'm gonna cover a topic that was taught to me. Uh, It's called the 21 Unbreakable Rules of Money. But I wanna go back a little bit further uh, than that before I do that and talk about a book that I have read countless times and i've given away probably 50 to 60 copies of this book i used to buy it in bulk uh, and give it away back in the day when i had uh, a little bit more money <laughs> it's called uh, it's called the richest man in babylon and it's by a guy called george class and it was written in i believe the 1920s and um it's a a guy that is writing about the stories from ancient babylon that have been discovered in the excavation of Babylon and how Babylon became the richest uh, society that ever existed. Uh, I think probably prior to this one, but in Babylon they didn't print their own money, they actually had to go make it. So, uh, who knows how that all played out? But they found these 5,000 year old tablets, and the dude that wrote the book had something to do with transcribing them. He was just retelling stories that were already on these uh, tablets about the laws of gold and the laws of money. And that is uh, pretty much the foundation for where wealth accumulation comes from today. And it's super simple to understand it's just incredibly difficult to do and like i said i'm i'm as guilty as the next guy of uh, making money and spending it and there's a very poignant verse in the bible and i'm sure one of you will be able to uh, let me know which verse it uh, which chapter and verse it is, I can't remember, Um, but it says something along the lines of, uh, you know, the the money that you make quickly is also very quick to to leave and quick to flee. And in my experience, you know, I've made money over time, and I've also made money very quickly. And the quicker I made the money, the higher my risk tolerance got, the more risky things I would do with it, Uh, the riskier the investments, the less safe, Let's just say the ways I was spending it. The uh, I was a bad steward of money, and I had to go and relearn this stuff. So now, as I make money, uh, it actually goes in the right places. Um, you know, the the problem with building and scaling a business that that I found is I, I made so much money so fast. I just I wasn't a good steward of it, and that's why I uh, I went and educated myself on how to how to actually look after money and how to grow it. And that's kind of what I want to. Pass on to you today. So, the 21 unbreakable rules of money. Let's jump into this. The first one, the most important one, is a uh, 70-2010 split, which, uh, if you think about it it, is 70% of your income you're going to live off. Twenty percent of your income, you're going to invest, and ten percent you're going to give to charity. That's your tithe, uh, and that ties into you know the the Bible and uh, giving and uh, making the uh, the world around you a better place. And uh, a lot of us, you know, oh well, I don't go to church, I don't really do that stuff. But if you look around you, you don't have to tithe to a church. You know, you can tithe to any kind of nonprofit that. Resonates with you that uh, it shares the same core values as you, any kind of non profit at all, even if it's tithing time in the beginning and not so much money. If, if you know, if you're really, really broke and trying to shoestrap stuff or bootstrap stuff, sorry, um, that 10%, though, it's super important, and man. You know, I, I resisted this for years because it's it's a bit fucking stupid and it's a bit hippie and you might want to go put a fucking flower in your hair and dance around in a dress. But in reality, right, if you put out good shit, good shit comes back to you. I don't know why that is. Uh it's the law of reciprocity, it's the law of karma, it's whatever you wanna call it. But the more good shit you put out there the more comes back and it could be in increased business. It could be in referrals. It could be just in the sheer joy uh, and the feeling that you get from doing nice things for people. But when you do stuff with no expectation of return and when you give with no expectation of return, um, something happens in the universe and you can call it God, you can call it karma, you can call it whatever you want, but always try and give 10% of your time or your income to uh, to a good cause, to charity, and uh, look around you and make the world a better place. And uh, a few of us miss that. And it is uh, it is the number one, unbreakable rule of money is that when you have money, you give it to people that need it. All right, number two: if you can't buy something with cash, do not buy it with credit. Obviously, the couple of exceptions here would be a two or three year old gently used car with a warranty uh you may go ahead and finance that with uh, enough down payment and then obviously a home you know you get enough down payment together you're gonna finance your home we know that i'm not sitting here saying pay for your houses with cash and pay for your cars with cash because honestly right now you can borrow money at much much cheaper rates than you can uh, Then, than than it costs uh What what, what the word I'm looking for? Whatever, it's cheaper to borrow money right now um, than it's ever been. So why would you not borrow $300,000 at 3% interest to buy a house when that $300,000 in cash could be sitting and working in other investments for you that are gonna have a much greater return than 3%. So yeah, if you can't buy something with cash, don't buy it with a credit card. Don't get a loan for it. Don't be taking out four-wheeler loans. Don't be taking out loans on drum sets and guitars. Don't be taking out loans on stupid shit. Don't be jacking up your credit card and going to the bar every night. You know this. And you know it, and I'm telling you it, but you already know it. But we still do it. I don't know why that is. But anyway, other than, you know, a nice, gently used, couple-year-old of year old car with a warranty, um, or a, uh, a house, we, uh, we don't want to buy anything on credit if we can at all avoid it. The number three rule, and this one might surprise you, is never have more than about six months of living expenses in cash. You don't want to have 50, 60, 70 grand just kind of sitting around not doing anything. You want your emergency fund. For me, I try to keep between three and four months because honestly, if after three to four months, um, yeah, I, I just can't see a scenario where me you know, not having... Uh, income for three or four months happens. Um, you know, I've got some uh, assets that I could liquidate over that three or four months if I need to. But you know, you try to keep a little bit of cash in reserve and on hand. But yeah, there's no point having $100,000 in a savings account. Oh, that's my emergency fund, just in case. No, you want your emergency fund to be about six months of savings, uh, six months of expenses. And then the rest of it, you're gonna wanna look at putting in investments to where it can make a better return on investment than what it gets sitting in a savings account. All right, rule number four, short one here, don't waste money, right? And we're all guilty of this too. We're all guilty of just not paying attention to the checking account, all of a sudden there's three overdraft charges because uh, your bank knows you're good for it, so they let a few charges go through, and you owe your bank a hundred bucks, well, damn, that's a waste of money, you know? Buying a round of shots at the bar, a eh, bit of a waste of money, isn't it? That's a bit of a dick swinging contest that we can avoid. You know, have a shot with your friends, sure, Sure, but uh, buying multiple rounds of shots and running up a couple of hundred dollar bar tabs, there's better things to do. You know, We can have fun without doing that, which leads us to rule number five. And this is a big one, um, and it's quite difficult to avoid. This is something you've got to, to really work on, is don't spend money based on emotion. When you're emotional, you are looking for dopamine, you're looking for a release, you're looking for a distraction, and spending money is a very, very easy way to do that. It's very easy to whip your credit card out and buy a $300 belt or a $200 pair of blue jeans or a $800 watch to make yourself feel better about things. But once that dopamine wears off, you're right back where you started, you're still emotional about shit, and now you've got an $800 watch that is worth about 300 uh, with resale value, so uh, don't spend money based on emotion. Plan to spend your money, which leads us to number six. Do your due diligence. So when you're investing, right? Do your due diligence. Understand what it is you're investing in and where your money's going. You know, if you're buying stock in a company because your mate says, "Hey, buy some stock in this company; it's going to do great." That's not really doing due diligence. That's not really understanding what we're putting our money in and make sure the people you are investing with understand what they're putting their money in. You know, when a friend comes to you and says, hey, I've got a great idea for a business, I need $20,000 to make it work. You might wanna make sure that he's been in business himself successfully for a few years and uh, actually has a solid plan for that money. Otherwise, your $20,000 will uh, vanish into thin air. And that ties into number seven Think four generations into the future before you spend or invest your money. I struggle with this one. I I often think about my kids, uh, but then I got grandkids, -grandkids, great-grandkids, great-great-grandkids, I don't get that far. Um, and Maybe I need to work on that a little bit. But I do think about my kids now um, before I spend money or I invest money. And um, a lot of what I spend goes towards making their world a little better. But think about generational wealth and how much money can accrue over 20 years and 30 years and 50 years to be setting up your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids with the right finances, the right kind of financial education and all the stuff that goes with it. You know, my, uh, you're gonna see me uh, here in a couple of months transition to uh, uh, make some power moves and clean up some of my outstanding stuff. And I'm going to transition to a cash car that I'll probably pay somewhere around $20,000 cash for. And then the rest of my money is going to go into uh, long-term investments that are going to pull um, uh, re- residual income over time for my kids. Um, what I'm looking at right now, you know, I carry a $800, 850 car note. and uh, You know, then I got uh, other bills going out and i look and i say well i really don't need these bills i don't need a fancy car you know i can get a decent a very decent car for uh, twenty thousand dollars so we're going to move a little bit on that and think about the uh, the generations that are coming afterwards okay so also rule number eight one of the things that really hurts is carrying a credit card balance that interest hits every month and if you slip a little bit or if you're a few days late or whatever, it jumps from the promotional rate of 8% or 9% or 12%, it'll jump to 22 or 25 or 29% interest. And that's a very, very quick way to open up holes in the bottom of your money bucket. Now, my little brother <laughs> brought me this analogy. He says, he says, basically, your money's walking around in a bucket. I'm like, all right, where are you going with this? And well, every time you have something to pay for, it makes a hole in the bucket and every time you get a paycheck it goes in the top of the bucket and that's your money bucket I'm like fair enough and he said the more holes in the bottom of your bucket the more paychecks you have to make to keep the fucker full I said, you know what, mate, you're not wrong. And he's got a good analogy. And uh, credit card debt and interest on credit card debt is just another hole in the bottom of your bucket. And when you look at that 3,000 or 5,000 or $9,000, however much credit card debt you're carrying right now, when you look at that and you go, well, shit, what did I really get for my $9,000? You can't remember. All you've got is another hole in your bucket. So uh, be very careful uh, with credit cards. Never carry a balance unless the one, the one, uh, one exception to this rule is if you've got yourself over your head in credit card debt um, by shifting some balances around, lets you take advantage of a 0% for 12 months or 18 months um, promotion that some of these companies sometimes do, if you can get on one of those and pay your debt down faster, then yeah, you can carry a credit card balance. But other than that, never do it. Number nine, never carry all your money in one account. Never have it all in there. And uh, that is, uh, that's just good practice. If anything goes wrong with the bank, if anything goes wrong with their computers, if anything goes wrong with their relationship, if there's ever an account frozen for any reason, you should always have a uh, second um, bank that you've got just a little bit tucked away. Me, I've got three, I've got two here in America. Um, you know, one of them's got just just a little bit in it, but it's enough to uh, to get through a couple of rainy days if anything happened to my main bank. And then I've got one in England as well, back home with, uh, again, just a little bit, but enough to, to go on vacation over to England and not worry about having to uh, to budget for a vacation. There's always some, uh, some British money over there. So I've got a couple of options, but it's not smart to leave all your money in one checking account and and that leads us again to rule number 10 never have all your money in one investment um yeah your first investment you're gonna struggle because you're gonna want to invest as much as you can uh to make as good a return on investment as you can so it's 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 forgivable on your first investment to to maybe go a little all in and tip the scale a little too far that way um, but especially after that first deal, and after that first deal is paid off, let let us say let's say for example the first deal is a twenty thousand dollar deal, and we've got twenty five thousand dollars, right? So we invest twenty thousand dollars in that deal, we're down to five grand, we're pretty uh, pretty broke, and then um, that deal closes out, and we make thirty thousand dollars, so we've got ten profit, and we get our twenty back, it's great, we've got a fifty percent return in however many months it took us to uh, to do that little hustle, then. Don't take that 30 and invest it all in one product project. Leave your five where it's at and take the 15s and split the 15s and do two $15,000 projects because then your bases are covered a little bit better. Um, it just is to, to take everything you've got and put it in one investment, and I've done it. Uh, the investment I put it into, uh, it crashed, it went bad. Uh, you know, I had just come from losing uh, losing my, my, my uh, supplement company. And uh, my first year in real estate, I made a killing. Um, I was one of the top agents in the state for Remax, max um, And I, I did, I made a, a small fortune. And In 2019, I, I parlayed a large portion of that into a commercial real estate venture that went south, and uh, my money went south with it. And, you know, we were looking at maybe eight to 10 times return on investment over two years. So it seemed like a a solid plan. And um, that's how I learned to do commercial real estate, you know. And I see the amount of money as I lost as my price of entry because I've done multiple commercial deals since then and uh, made money back and made money off it. But that initial mistake of putting all that money into that one investment was uh, it really did hurt. I shouldn't have gone that deep. I broke one of the uh, 21 rules of money and it hurt me. And uh, you know, sometimes that happens and that's, that's how I can teach. <laughs> that's how I can teach It's through experience. It's through actually walking head first into these fuck ups uh, that allows me to stand up here and talk to you guys and say, hey, maybe don't do that. Maybe consider this. And uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what qualifies me. I, I learned a lot through books, but I also learned a lot through actual success and failure and uh, walking headlong into stupid shit. So uh, that <laughs> brings me back to number 11, which is never spend more than you can truly afford. God, absolutely never do that. Because again, you always want your cushion, you always want your reserve accounts, you always want some in savings. And then you look and the, the investment will be starting to slip and you're like, well, let me just go grab another 50 grand and dump it in there and I can turn it around. And that's never normally the case. So don't ever spend more money than you can truly afford. You don't wanna go to the poor house for number 12 which is don't spend money solely to impress others and these all tie in very nicely but number 12 don't spend money solely to impress others how many times have you heard spending money i don't have on shit i don't need to impress people i don't know that's what happens a lot in this world you know um in my 20s um, i'm not ashamed of it because i loved doing what i did but i had one of the fastest street legal cars in the uh, in the local car scene and I spent a fortune on a damn thing. Um, Twin turbos, five liter stroker in a 2003 Cobra, made nearly a thousand horsepower at the crank. It was uh, exceptionally fast, exceptionally fun, but I was spending money just to impress other people. You know, I could have bought a bike and gone that fast. Um, I didn't need that car, I enjoyed it. It was my hobby, I went racing and stuff, but I really, I spent over $100,000 on a car I didn't need to impress people I didn't know. And, uh, you know, the uh, the folly of youth has me uh, looking back and chuckling about that. I did enjoy it. Yeah, it was a hobby and stuff. But imagine what that hundred thousand dollars invested at 25 years old would be worth 15 years later. You know, that's that's a big wake up. So don't spend money just to impress other people. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You should always make sure the reward outweighs the risk. This is number 13. And uh, as I've said, when you earn the money yourself and that money has been hard to come by and you've ground for that money and you've worked your fingers down for that money, your risk tolerance is a lot lower. You really don't ever wanna let it go. You've got to make sure that the reward outweighs the risk. And uh, oftentimes, if it's too good to be true, it's almost certainly too risky to be fucking around with. You will get your fingers burned if you are not careful. So treat your money as if you've worked hard for it. That's number 14. I love how these all tie together. Uh, But treat your money as if you've worked hard for it. The harder you work for your money, right, the more attached to it you are. If I have to work 70 hours a week to save up for two years to get $20,000, I'm gonna be much more attached to that as if old Aunt Gertrude died and left me twenty grand, right? You see that one twenty thousand dollars—it's the same amount, but one twenty thousand represents two years worth of hard work and savings. The other twenty thousand represents ooh—I just got twenty thousand dollars from a great aunt that I barely know, and uh, I'm going to go spend it all. You see, you must try to treat your money as if you worked for it, even when it's a gift an investment, a dividend, a windfall, something you weren't expecting, take a step back and visualize that money as something that you grafted for, that you put in the time for. If you make $60,000 a year and you inherit $180,000, you need to see that as three years fucking salary. And how would I invest three years salary right now? Not, oh, I've got $180,000. I've always wanted this motorbike. I've always wanted this drum set. I've always wanted a Hawaiian vacation. I've always wanted an RV. I've always wanted a new phone. I've always wanted, oh shit, I've got no money left. Because that's what happens. And it happens to all of us. This isn't me fucking preaching at you saying, do this, do that, do this, do that. This is me sharing stuff that I've learned from my time when I had a shitload of money. Um And now I'm going back that direction and I'm getting a shitload of money again. It is going to work for me and it is doing the things I'm telling it to do. I've made the mistakes. I've lost it. You know, I understand what it's like to have it and lose it again. So that said, (laughs) segues beautifully into number 15. Never work for the same dollar twice. I'll say that again. Never work for the same dollar twice. You do the work, you get paid, you invest that fucking money. You put it somewhere, it's gonna make a difference. Manage and adapt your budget and do that every month. How much money do you spend on food? How much money do you spend on cigarettes? How much money do you spend on alcohol? I bet between food and alcohol, I bet there's some of you out there that are just fucking eating your retirement. You go to the gas station and you spend six bucks on a coffee and a, a pastry at breakfast time, or a croissant or a fucking kolache. And then you go to lunch and it's 15 bucks, but you've got to tip the girl, so it's 18 or 20 bucks. And then you go to the bar for a drink after work, and that's 10 bucks. And then, you know, all of a sudden, we've spent 36 bucks and we haven't had dinner yet. And then, well, I'm going to run out, I'm going to grab a couple of tacos for dinner, and that's another 15 bucks. And then I've spent $50 in a day just on buzzing around and doing shit and not really paying attention. And I was very guilty of this. I mean, I, uh, I try to cook everything at the house now. I try to make all my own meals and do my own prep. I still will run and grab a kalachi some mornings. And I still will run and grab tacos for dinner some evenings. But I'm very cognizant of what I'm spending now. Um, If you don't keep a budget, that $50 a day, it chips away at your shit, and you end up eating your retirement. Because let's say you work 20 days a month, and you're spending 50 bucks a day just on random shit. That's $1,000 you just blew through on what probably would have been a $400 grocery bill. So there's a $600 a month difference right there. $600, that's 7,200 bucks a year that could be going in a retirement account that you're spending because you're too lazy to make breakfast and you're too tired to make dinner. This can all be avoided. So manage and adapt your budget. And number 17, know your numbers. Know what you're spending on shit, you know, because $100 here and $100 there, trust me, That shit adds up. When was the last time you looked at your subscriptions? What are you paying for every month that you don't realize you're paying for? There's probably a gym membership in there somewhere. You know, what's that, 30, 40, 50 bucks a month? You know, there's probably a Netflix subscription. And then you might have had that Hulu subscription. And then you got an Amazon subscription that you forgot to cancel, so that's rebilling you. And then, yeah, dig into it. Start adding it up. Know what you're spending every month outside of your rent, your car payment, your phone, and your utilities because that's when most people stop counting and they forget and they'll they'll run up an extra 500 or a thousand bucks just in stuff that they really don't need that's just ticking over and going out number 18 if it sounds too good to be true it is period there's no fucking exception to that rule if it's too good to be true it is all the time every time don't fall for it you know do your due diligence and watch what happens to other people in the investment. If it's too good to be true, I can guarantee there's some fuckery afoot. You don't want to be involved in investments like that. Anything, any set it and forget it investment guaranteeing more than 12-15% a year, I'd look very, very long and hard at that. That sounds too good to be true. You know, there's a lot of things that you've got to work very hard at to get that kind of return. So uh, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. Number 19, inform yourself of how taxes work and pay accordingly. My least favorite thing to do is pay taxes, and yet I fucking do it. Got to be done. Got to be done. You have to keep up with that shit. Um, I have a fractional CFO that does all the stuff for my businesses, and then I have a CPA that he sends his stuff to, and it gets done. I'm informed of what goes on. I understand how it works. I don't like it. I don't like the way I'm represented with the taxes I pay. That's an episode for a whole other day. However, you need to know how they work and how to pay accordingly you know, in my mind means how to minimize your liability. All right. Yes, you want to pay taxes. However, you want to pay the minimum amount of tax that you are legally required to pay. And that does require a CPA that requires somebody that can think a little creatively. However, you know, you shouldn't be paying too much in taxes. It's worth what I pay in tax professionals. It's so much i mean the return on investment for paying tax professionals to what i save in taxes is just incredible so understand taxes and if you don't understand them inform yourself and hire a professional super important number 20 almost done thanks for sticking with me never rely on one source of income i have multiple streams of income from multiple things and you know i've got a media company i own the texas media foundry I've got a real estate company I own, uh, liveincollegestation.com. dot uh, com. I've got a uh, podcast and a consulting company, the Small Business Surgeon, own that. And uh, I also am uh, a semi professional drummer. I was a retired professional drummer till somebody bought me out of retirement. But right there is four great solid income streams. And, um, you know, I make far more than a car payment every month just from playing drums. So, uh, you know, always have multiple streams of income, always have a few different things going on because then if your boss lets you go or if your business stumbles or, you know, whatever it is that causes interruptions to one cash flow, like for example, um, I've got a close in April 9th. If that close in April 9th falls apart and gets pushed back to May 9th, I know that I've got enough business between. I've got two more real estate closings uh, scheduled for April. I know that. So that's three. Um, but let's say all three vanished. I've got enough business in media and in consulting in April and in Drummond as well to cover April's bills and then some and April's investments as well. So that uh, really the real estate money uh, is just all going to get plowed back into growing the company. But. Three, four, five, six streams of income. Don't stop there. Some of my coaches have 30, 40, 50 streams of income. You know, I'm not at that level yet, You know, but I've got multiple streams of income just in case something goes wrong, which leads us to the ultimate rule of money, which is spend your time earning money until you can spend your money earning time. That is just so important because all we've got in life is time right so it's my job and my goal to accumulate multiple streams of income build multiple businesses hire and develop multiple integrators multiple managers whatever it takes to put these together and keep them running and then i can buy the rest of my life back and that's it i can do whatever i want whenever i want and you know the the really cool thing is i i kind of do that already except for i come to work and do it um, I do get to pick and choose which clients I work with, both in the real estate side and on the uh, the consulting side and the media side too. So I'm, I'm almost at that point where I can do uh, whatever I want, but I still come to work every day expecting to do a full day of work. There's gonna come a point a few years down the line when I crack that six figure a month mark and uh, that's when I think mentally I will shift into spending my time um, uh, investing money and just making the money earn the uh, the freedom for the rest of my life. So. Uh 21 Spend your time earning money until you can spend your money earning time. All right, that's it from me for today, guys. I really appreciate you listening, I appreciate you hanging out. I hope you got something from Friday Fire number eight, the 21 Rules of Money. As always, I will ask you once again run over to iTunes, hit the subscribe button, and leave us a five star review. It helps other people find the show, it uh, it helps to spread the word, it helps to get a few more uh, people on board, and uh, help hopefully change their lives for the better, and last but not least, if you are not part of the Facebook group, Business Talk with Business Pros, what the fuck are you doing? What are you playing at? Run over there right now, uh, go like the Small Business Surgeon Facebook page and uh, go find that group and add yourself to it and uh, we will see you in there. All right, guys, I will be back Monday, And I forgot to look in my show notes for who Monday's guest is. I've got five or six uh, pre-recorded podcasts all ready to go for the Mondays. I just can't remember who's next. So it will be a surprise for me, a surprise for you. And uh, I will see you guys on uh, Monday on that episode of Small Business Surgeon. You all have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for listening. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you made it this far, you clearly liked it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share it with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com. Ooh, yeah.